Great. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Mark and team, for uh, leading us. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Central Church Fredericton Online. Thanks for joining in today, and we're certainly saddened that we can't meet in person, but we're glad that we can connect online. And my name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be sharing today from the Bible and from the Book of Acts in the New Testament, which is a written account of the early church and the earlier followers of Jesus as he's returned to heaven. And I'm going to provide a quick recap in case maybe you've missed anything over the last few weeks and uh, just thought it would be a good place to get, set some context for some of the things we're going to talk about today and how we're going to pray at the end of this message. So today is January 24th, 11 months till Christmas Eve. Come on, let's go. Woohoo! I'm excited about that, which means one month ago was Christmas Eve and we were celebrating the birth of Jesus, and we're talking about Emmanuel, God with us, and that God came in human flesh and lived here on planet Earth. And we talked all about it the Christmas season. Why did Jesus come? And we saw it was a rescue mission that Earth, that humanity 2,000 years ago, and dare I say, it's the same thing today, needed a rescue. Humanity is in a mess. And I think all of us would say that in some different forms. And we're like, what's the answer? What's the hope? Who's going to save us from such a situation? And we saw that Jesus is the one, that Jesus is God. And he's come to be involved and to take part in that rescue mission. And we saw also the Christmas season how there were all these different prophecies and predictions about Jesus coming from hundreds of years earlier and how that was one of the ways that confirms that Jesus really is who he says he is and that he really is God. And it talks about Jesus being a savior and Jesus being a king and Jesus bringing a kingdom. And one of the most famous ones, and maybe you've heard this, I'm going to read it out, is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and quite a familiar one at Christmas, but it's a good one to read all throughout the year. And we read this, Isaiah, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God through Isaiah said this hundreds of years before Jesus came. And this is the promise, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness or of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Whew! Jesus, fully God, fully man. And his ministry started. And as his ministry started, this is what Jesus said. He declared this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Or different translations say, the kingdom of God is near. And then go on to say, the kingdom of God is actually here. He announced, he declared, the kingdom of God is here. There's a new government. There's a new authority that's coming on planet earth, and it's coming from heaven to earth. That's what that passage from Isaiah was talking about, that there's going to be an ever-increasing government for this King Jesus. So Jesus declared the kingdom of God is here, but Jesus just didn't declare it. Jesus demonstrated 
There was action. Jesus demonstrated what that kingdom looked like. And he went about relieving pain and suffering so that the blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk. He brought restoration because he had authority over sickness. And if we go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I mean, it's amazing. I encourage you just to read one of those again. You just see Jesus in action demonstrating the kingdom of God. It's a good kingdom. It comes and it brings things like this. People who were tormented by evil, demonic, unclean spirits were set free, and they were in the right mind, and they were made whole. Jesus had authority over evil spirits. Jesus calmed the storm. He had authority over creation and nature. Jesus raised the dead. Woo! He had authority over death. Jesus did another incredible thing. He forgave sins. And we're like, who can do that? Only God can do that. And yet, to our amazement, Jesus, who had all this authority and did so much good, as we see, Jesus was betrayed, he was crucified, he was killed on a cross. And you're like, why did that happen? Well, that was part of God's plan because Jesus came to deal with sickness and sin and death and the devil. And if we had time to explain it all, and this is what we explain Christmas all throughout the year, that there was a curse that came from disobeying God, and Jesus took that curse upon him. He became a curse, and he paid the price for that curse with his life and with his shed blood to bring us back into friendship with God. He destroyed, it says, he disarmed the devil of his power and of his weapons. Jesus, through his death and also through his resurrection, did incredible things. This is what we see. God raised him from the dead. Jesus is alive, and he's alive today. And that changes everything. Changed it 2,000 years ago. Changed the things we're singing about today. And it changes our history. Jesus is king. He's ruler. He has authority over sin, the devil, death. He defeated death. He defeated sickness. He defeated the power of sin. He broke that power. Jesus defeated the power of Satan the devil and demons. And Jesus brings us back into relationship, restoration with God. That's the background for what we're going to take a look at today, is that Jesus is the one who brings restoration and healing and wholeness. And as we see in the book of Acts, after all that took place, Jesus returned to heaven to rule and reign as king where he is today, and he sends his Holy Spirit, he sends the Spirit of God, who's just like Jesus, to empower his followers. And Jesus says, now I'm going to extend that kingdom, my government, I'm going to extend it through my followers who are my ambassadors. The Bible uses that word ambassadors. Ambassadors are ones who represent the king. They represent a government. They've been given delegated authority, and they speak on behalf of a king and a government. And as Christ's followers, we're his ambassadors, that we go in Jesus' name. We have a message to declare. It's not our message. It's from Jesus. We declare and demonstrate his message in his name. So therefore, we pray for God's kingdom to come. And the Lord's followers, when they were with him and they saw how much Jesus prayed, one of the things they asked is, Lord, Jesus, we want to pray like you. How, how do we pray? And one part of Jesus teaching them how to pray was this, was to ask your father for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. We prayed together as a church on January 3rd together. We prayed, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom increase. Let your kingdom grow. And what were some of that aspects that we were asking for? Do you remember? We were praying for salvation. We were praying for salvation to come, for people to be set free from the power of sin and darkness and being separated from God, that they can know God, that they can worship God, that they can have a relationship with God. We were praying for healing. We're praying for physical healing. We're praying for emotional healing, mental health things. We're praying for God to set people free, to be in their right mind, to be whole. We're praying for deliverance. We're praying that we just see so many people, sometimes ourselves, addicted to so many things, wrong ways of thinking, these strongholds of negative thinking. And the reality is some of us have experiences, and it can be a new thing, but we can even be influenced and under the power of demonic, evil, unclean spirits. And we're praying for us to be delivered from these things. And we're praying for God's kingdom to come, and it brings a release it brings a release from oppression and injustice and poverty to justice and healing and wholeness and that Jesus would be honored. So one aspect of being a Christian is we pray these things. We pray for God's kingdom to come. We're going to be praying again tonight online this evening at 7.30. And we see that this kingdom is a kingdom of love and peace and joy and humility and forgiveness, and serving God, and justice, and wholeness. And poof, isn't there a longing in our heart to say, we, we want to see that more. And some of us are asking, why don't we see that in our own lives, in our own church, and in our own communities? Well, folks, the reality is this. It gets messy because we're dealing with people. We're dealing with people like me, and I get stubborn and prideful, and I miss it. We're dealing with sometimes strongholds in our lives that they have a stronghold on our life. There's a real enemy. There's a real demonic activity that there's a battle going on. And as Mark talked about last week in a great message, that God wants to work through a community, His church, to be a church and that brings a kingdom that's for the city. It's for serving the community. It's for serving whatever context you might be. It's bringing in the kingdom of God that's going to be honoring God. It's going to be a blessing to our city that we want in everyday life. That's the context for what we're about to read. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'm just going to read out from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 16, a great story. And this is what we read, Acts 3, verses 1 to 16. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in that place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Jesus that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Whew! Wow. So here are Peter and John, followers of Jesus. They've been witnesses to everything Jesus was talking about and demonstrated, declared. They saw him die. They saw him raise. They saw him ascend it to heaven. And now they're his ambassadors. And they've been given authority. Authority. They've been delegated that authority to both declare and demonstrate that the kingdom of God, they're being just like Jesus was. And remember, Peter and John, before we think they're anything super special, they're just ordinary guys. And they got it wrong. And they messed up. And they betrayed Jesus, they got scared, they didn't always understand, but God's grace and forgiveness, God's restoration, God's enablement, God's forgiveness enabled and empowered them to be obedient. Ordinary people, extraordinary God. In healing, as we see here, is an example of God's kingdom coming. And we live what theologians call in the now and the not yet. So let me just Fill that out, because anytime we talk about healing, we get a lot of questions about why are all people healed, and is healing real? So just let's walk through this together. Okay, one aspect of the kingdom of God coming on earth through Jesus and now through his followers by the Holy Spirit is this. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has come, and as we read from Isaiah, it's ever-increasing, and it's reclaiming that which was lost and stolen. So we have an enemy all the way back in Genesis usurped Adam and Eve, God's creation's authority, and took over. And that sin and sickness entered the world. And the Satan stole what belonged to God. And Jesus is on that rescue mission of restoring that which was lost. So the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, that which was stolen. And part of the kingdom of God coming in healing here and now is God's reclaiming that which was stolen. And we just say, more Lord. We ask, we seek, we declare and demonstrate. But obviously, we live in a world where things are, not everyone's healed. We're in the not yet. Jesus hasn't returned. The full heaven hasn't come. We don't live in a full new earth. So not everyone gets saved. Not everyone believes in Jesus. Not everyone gets healed. Not everyone gets delivered. The whole restoration hasn't come yet. And we look forward to that day. And we live in a spiritual battle. And even though Satan has been disarmed to defeat it, he's still doing his mop up and trying to still reclaim that lost ground. And the reality is people have choices. And people sometimes choose to not follow Jesus. And many people haven't even heard about Jesus or this kingdom. And that's why we declare it 
today. And we do things like Alpha, where you can come and you can learn more about Jesus. And the lame man was from birth, it says, lame. So you got to ask, we got just kind of curious, what, I wonder why he was lame from birth. And there's some different answers. I'm just kind of proposing them. doesn't really say. But one reason maybe he was lame from birth is this. We live in a fallen world. We're born into a world that isn't right. And people get sick. And we, that's just part of living under this fallen world. And creation is tainted. And maybe there was a birth defect or whatever. We don't know. But there he was. You could ask maybe, did his parents do something wrong? So, there's some believe, you know, hey, and we see that today. Maybe his parents got into some sort of drugs or did something that then he was not born able to walk. We, we don't know. Maybe we don't know, but isn't it interesting that why now? Because we kind of think probably Jesus had been to where this guy was before, and Jesus healed a lot of people. Why Jesus didn't heal him before? Was there a certain timing with this? Here's the thing, folks. Honestly, we don't really know. You can read all the theological books. We don't really know. But here's the encouraging thing is, and this is with Peter and John. As part of following Christ, we just want to be aware that Jesus is king. We want to constantly be praying, Lord, let your kingdom come. And we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that sometimes just in our everyday ordinary life, a miracle can happen. So we're not sure if Peter and John, the Holy Spirit prompted them. We're not sure if we're going to take a look at God gave them a word of knowledge. Maybe it was just trial and error. Maybe they're just like, you know what? We're just going to wing it, and sometimes we're just going to pray for people randomly. We don't really know, but they were obedient to at least know in Jesus' name people can be healed. And if people don't get healed, well, as we've taught many times here in church and as we've seen examples in the Bible, throughout church history, in our own church family, we want to walk with people to help them suffer well. That God's grace, His power, even if we're not healed, there's grace every day for still us to live out a life that worships God. We persevere. That God and only God can do this. God can actually still use sickness and suffering for good. I was on a call this week uh, with our friend Reese Scott out in Vancouver, and he was just kind of with a throwaway line in one of our conversations, but I wrote it down because I'm like, I'm going to use that this Sunday. He said this, even our suffering is productive in Christ. What a redeeming God. Even our suffering, even our sickness can be productive in Christ. And of course, we look forward to a glorious future that one day Jesus is going to return, that He's going to make all things right. He's going to restore everything to original creation and to fullness. And there's going to be no more pain and no more sickness, no more disease, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death. Jesus is going to restore all things, and we long for that day, and it gives us great hope. But in the meantime, we're going to keep asking. We're going to keep seeking. We're going to keep knocking because the needs are everywhere around us, aren't they? I mean, just look at our neighborhoods, our communities. The needs are endless of people suffering and sickness and all that goes with it. So I've always taken the course in our church life. It's better to keep asking God 
Be open for opportunities. Pray with faith, and we're going to trust God with the healing. And if people get healed, hallelujah. And if people don't, we're going to walk with them, and we're going to persevere, and they're not going to be alone, and we're going to see God shine and use those situations for His glory. So our part, we pray, we declare that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus rules and reigns, and we demonstrate. Freely we've received from God, freely we give, and we're ambassadors. So I'm going to just take a moment, I'm going to read out some examples of healings from our church. Okay, and so I asked this week to our church, I just said, I just put it out there, said, hey, if anyone has some healing stories, I'd love to be able to share them this week. It builds our faith, it's part of declaring, and these are all sort of recent ones, which is very encouraging as well. So let me read out, I'm going to read out three different types and see if we can learn from it, and I hope this encourages you, and people have given me permission um, to share these. So here we go. So the first one is from uh, Julia in our church, and this is what she writes. So I'm just going to read out um, what she sent. She said, after having my second child, I had a hernia, and I was also told I had diastasis recti, which is the separation of abdominal muscles, and dear, all our dear moms understand that. Combined, this meant I wasn't allowed to do much physical exercise. I felt discouraged as I had decided to try to improve my health, but now felt limited in what I could do while I waited for surgery. Here we go. I woke up one morning before our church meeting and was filled with faith that God would heal me today. I remember, and this is the great word she used, declaring to Daniel, her husband, this was going to happen. Woo! <laughs> And at church that morning, lo and behold, Tim and Pamela from our church shared about her healing from the same issue and said they felt called to pray for healing for others. I went forward for prayer, and over the course of the afternoon, maybe for about two hours, I experienced the constant contraction of my abdominal wall slowly closing up. Woof, get goosebumps. By the end of the day, I went from at least an inch gap to maybe less than a centimeter. Now I didn't need to go for physio, and I could, have, and I could have a less difficult hernia surgery as it would be possible to stitch the muscles together and not use mesh. It also meant I could start to exercise and look after myself more. Praise God. And this is what Julia writes. But what I loved most was how God prepared me. He knows me, that I won't be the first to jump up and run forward for prayer, that I'll need some encouragement, and that the best way to do that for me, is to get me excited. When I got to the church meeting, I was expectant and excited, ready for God. At the end of the day, I still had to take a step and trust, but how amazing is our God who prepares us for what He will do before He does it gently and lovingly. It may be a rather small healing, but also an encouragement that God does care about the little things too. Whew! Thank you, Julia, for sharing that. And I just point out just some key ingredients we're going to see. Faith is involved. Church, family, community is involved. God, we see, is a good father. And it still takes that step of faith and trust in Jesus. So that's one of the stories. The second one I'm going to read is from Nancy. And uh, she's in our church, and she heard this. And this one happened um, many, many years ago, but it has a modern-day application. So let me just read it out, and then I'll make a few comments on that. She wrote me this week, <clears throat> Hi Joe, as I was reading through your recent message, I was reminded that years ago, 
when I went to an Alpha conference held at Brunswick Street Baptist Church along with a few others from our church. There was a meeting where Sandy Miller, who was from England and one of the leaders of Alpha, and he was speaking, was doing the talk on the Holy Spirit, and he shared a few words of knowledge and explained what that was. So Sandy Miller, there were hundreds of us there, and God gives a gift to people called words of knowledge by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes God gives specific, like, body parts or situations, circumstances that bring clarity and faith for healing, that God wants to heal in these certain areas. And so Sandy Miller shared some of those things, and I'm hoping and praying we might have a few of those at the end of this meeting. One of the words he gave was that in the attendance, and so I forget, there were like hundreds of people there that day, were three couples that were suffering from infertility. Then he said that both husband and wife were there for two of the couples, and the third couple, only one of them was there. Nancy shares, at that point in time, Cyril and I had two children, but our family didn't feel complete yet. And she says, I've been on many fertility medications, which she needed for the first two, and she was on many fertility medications, but had decided that the side effects were just too hard for her, so she had to stop. We'd almost given up, and when, when Sandy Miller said that only the wife or husband of the third couple were at the beating, I turned, she turned to me, which I couldn't even remember some of this until she started telling them, and I'm like, oh yes, I remember, to one side of me, and to Penny Boober in our church on the other side, and asked us to pray for her. Those prayers were life-changing. So Penny Boober, I hope you're encouraged if you're listening. Nancy shares this, I felt a heat start at the top of my head and go all through my body to the tips of my fingers and the tips of my toes. And when she looked at me, she says, my face was beaming and there was a look of amazement on my face. And I said something had just happened. I remember this as soon as she shared it. And this is what I saw as I was praying for Nancy and Penny as we were praying together. I saw a withered hand, I remember it, became whole and start to move. And I shared that with Nancy and we prayed for her. And this is interesting. Then as time went on, nothing happened. We were praying that God would either give us the baby that we felt would complete our family or that he would just take the desire away and make us feel complete as we were. Then a couple of years later, much to our surprise, along came Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Kayla has been such a blessing to our family. We can't imagine doing life without her. And praise God, later this year, I have the honor and privilege of marrying Kayla. Whew! All right, a couple of things with that one again. See how the church family is involved. We've got a good father. There was a whole component on that one of waiting. I was kind of stepping out in faith. And here's the thing. We have many stories of people who couldn't have babies having babies, but we have many, many stories of people that we prayed for who couldn't have babies, and they still didn't have any kids. And we don't fully understand all we can say is it's the now and the not yet, and our heart goes out to these ones that we've walked through, we've cried, we've grieved, and yet they persevere in God and we journey with them. Thank you, Nancy. All right, the last one I'm just going to share is from Jerusha, and another interesting one, so let me just share this. And this just happened last month in December, and Jerusha writes, um, so she sent this to me after it happened, so you've got to pretend as if you were there a day later. She writes this, Yesterday, right before we left for the church meeting, I suddenly had severe, severe pain. I decided to go to the church meeting anyway 
because I get pain all the time and try not to let it stop me. But this was really, really bad. And if you know Jerusha, if she's saying this was really, really bad, it had to be really, really bad. Steve and the kids prayed for me on the way to the church meeting, and it lessened, but it was still not great. I didn't stand the whole worship because it hurt so much and was walking, and even walking in was slow and painful. And I remember even looking at Jerusha that worship time and thinking, ooh, you know, Jerusha is usually going for God and just seemed like she was in a battle. Well, then during the meeting, this is what happened. Angela from our church got up, and she gave a message, a prayer in a different language, what the Bible calls a gift of tongues. And she spoke that out, and she brought the interpretation that in English that we can understand. And this is what happened when Angela did that. Suddenly, as Angela spoke, I started tingling from head to toe, which is a tangible feeling I get when being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when Angela had finished, my pain was gone. And not just gone, like, Jerusha says, I didn't have it for the rest of the day, and she said when she was writing this, I still feel amazing. I felt like as you, Angela, were speaking, the presence of the Lord was coming directly to me and resting on me. I know that's not what you were speaking about, but wow, was it encouraging. Whew. Now, a couple of comments on that one. First, Drusha has like a chronic disease that is basically destroying her body. So I don't fully understand why we keep praying for that disease to be healed. It doesn't seem to. Yet, in the midst of that, God brought a healing. Like, she didn't even pray for it. Angela didn't even pray for it. But do you see how the church works together? Angela stepping out in obedience using her gift. God did something. Whew, amazing. And Jerusha wrote, writes this, because we've talked a lot and we've prayed a lot with Jerusha and just walking this thing through as she hasn't seen the healing that we long for. And she has to suffer through with great perseverance, and that's a whole testimony to God as well. She also sent this. I'm just going to read it out. She said, I had this come to me today when praying about healing. And this isn't the first time, but I, as I've heard this word before. And she just talks about what happens when you don't get healed. And she writes this. When God says wait, he's saying, trust me. When God says wait, he's saying, do not fear. When God says wait, he's saying, be expectant. When God says wait, he's saying, hold on to hope. And when God says wait, he's saying, I love you and you are mine. Thank you, Jerusha and Steve, for sharing. Wow. Peter and John, just to finish up, how did they know? Again, was it a word of knowledge? Did the Holy Spirit prompt them? As I said, was it just, we're just going to trial and error, we're just going to pray for some people and see if anything happens. We don't really know. But they were obedient. They declared the power of Jesus' name. They demonstrated it in Jesus' name. And I just love it that Peter, can you imagine if you were there, okay? Imagine we're at the market in Fredericton Saturday morning and someone's been there and they're now a grown adult and since birth they've been lame and we see a miracle. You can imagine people being like, who, who, who did this? And Peter, I imagine he was starting to get some praise and he's saying, folks, if you think it's me, 
come on, really? He's like, I don't have that power. I don't have that godliness. And it kind of reminds me of this. I remember uh, as I was reading this this week, way back in the late 80s, so this is going way back, I remember, and cars were different back then, so Byron, please bear with me, but back then it wasn't all so fancy, and I remember being in a parking lot one time, and my car didn't start in the middle of winter, and I'm, as you guys know, I'm clueless when it comes to car, and a guy came over, and he took out a broom, some of you might remember, he took out a broom, he popped the hood, so I popped the hood, and anyway, he starts hitting stuff with a broom, and lo and behold, he says, give it a go, and lo and behold, the car started, and I was just like, amazed. I'm like, thank you so much. Like, how did you do that? How did you know to do that? And he said, I don't know anything about cars. He said, but a mechanic expert showed me this, and so I just do it, and I don't even know and understand it, but it works. And I kind of thought, this is, that illustration is kind of like, I think Peter's like, don't, don't thank me. I learned it from the expert, but I'm practicing it. And folks, that's kind of how it is. Jesus is the healer. We're just declaring and demonstrating Jesus gets all the credit. And look what happens. A man gets healed because there's authority in the name of Jesus. And this is one of the things we have to begin to understand with sickness is in God's great sovereignty, there's sickness because there's a fallen world. There's sickness that God can use for good. But some sickness comes, we believe, from the devil. We believe that he has power, and some sickness comes. And that type of sickness, Jesus has given authority and the ability to rule over that sort of sickness because Jesus has defeated that sickness. And that's the type of authority we want to step out and learn to grow in. And the result is a physical healing. And you can imagine, right? And it says, he's walking and jumping and praising God. It was like a double miracle. Not only did he get healed, the guy had never walked or jumped or anything before. So it's a double miracle that he knew how to do that. And it says this, he was praising God. Now here's the thing I want to finish on that we don't want to miss out. As great as that physical healing was, do you know what that allowed him to do for the first time? This guy had never been able to go into the temple he was excluded. He was deformed. He wasn't able to do it. And so he was outside of, in that day, in a sense, God's presence, God's blessing, a relationship with God. Couldn't get in. He was an outsider. He was outcast. He was marginalized. And it says this, for the first time, he went into the temple. Do you see how the physical healing starts to bring a spiritual component to it? And we read this, and it's interesting, and all the commentaries take note of it. That in verse 16, I'm just going to read it again. Peter said this, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing or completed healing to him as you can all see. And if you read the Greek and the commentators say this, every one of them says this, that word complete healing is talking about salvation. It's talking about wholeness. It's talking about not just a physical healing. They're saying, hearing Peter's message, being in the temple, is that this man encountered 
the most important thing, there was a spiritual healing, that he was saved from sin and separation from God. And folks, here's the thing I don't want us to miss, and this is so important. Any physical healing that we're a part of leads, and this is the most important part, to the ultimate healer, Jesus. It leads to a savior. It leads to a king. It leads to a savior who's removed the curse of sin. It leads to a king who's broken Satan's authority. That Jesus, the Bible says in Colossians 3, he disarmed, in Colossians 2, Satan of his powerful weapon, sickness being one of them. That this man was saved not only from being lame, but more importantly, he was saved from a separation because of sin from God. He was saved from the power of the devil. He was saved from a future separation in hell from God. And he was saved to a relationship with God where he knows God as Father. He was saved to having peace with God. He was saved to the Holy Spirit coming and being his helper. He was saved into a community and a family of believers. He was saved to have eternal life where he would be restored forever. That there was a wholeness that came that day Because the reality is in physical healing, guess what, folks? We're still all going to get sick. We can get healed. We're still all one day going to die. But we can have eternal life with God through Jesus Christ. My last story I'm going to share is one that Bob sent in from our church. And I just thought it was so encouraging. And I'll just read it to you. And Bob wrote this. He said, heal, definition, to make sound, to make whole again, to repair, to correct an undesirable condition, to restore to an original state. Bob writes this, when asked to give a testimony of healing, we sometimes think of healing involving a dramatic event or even a miracle, like the beggar healed immediately at the temple gate, which we've just seen. Bob says, my initial reaction of sharing a testimony of healing was that I didn't have one. (laughs) Thanks for your honesty, Bob. I think some of us are in that exact same state. My thoughts went to dramatic stories of healing in the Bible and stories of others being healed in this time and throughout history right up till today. Then God brought my attention to Jesus saying this, and Jesus said this in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus and to all of us, you must be born again. And Bob says, I spent three years seeking the truth of God and Jesus Christ, and with God's blessing and help, I was born again. My only role was that I desired in my heart to seek truth and God provided the path and the conclusion in Jesus Christ. So yes, stories showing physical and spiritual healing like the beggar at the gate who went leaping and praising God, the man blind from birth, I was blind but now I see, or as Lazarus, as we read in the Bible, who was dead four days and God, Jesus raised him, are important witness stories. But also are the stories of the woman at the well and the woman accused of adultery, and the woman forgiven of sin who then poured oil on the feet of Jesus. And their forgiveness and their salvation from the slavery of sin and separation from God. So is the testimony of every Christian believer born again, no matter how undramatic it may seem. It is a testimony of God's amazing love and his desire to heal to restore, to repair, and to make whole again our relationship with God. When we accept Jesus Christ, we are born again. We become different without working at it or any intense studying. Yes, often we falter after being born again, but that is because we take our eyes off Jesus and try to do things on our own strength. As his child, 
We need to spend time with him and his word so that when challenging things do come, we rely on his Holy Spirit to be our guide and our strength. We may falter, but that does not change our being born again. Christ has come to earth, died on the cross in our place, and has risen from the dead so that we might be reconciled to God. Amen. Bob, thank you for sharing that, that our salvation really is the most incredible, miraculous healing. All right. I just want to take a couple minutes. We want to pray. And here's my heart and the heart for our church is please hear us. When we pray for healing, we're not being presumptuous. We're not being arrogant. We're not being prideful. We're not trying to say, you know, we just have some magic words so that we have a magic wand that we perform. It's not that at all. It actually comes out of humility, a little bit of fear, to be honest, of stepping out, seeking to be obedient, seeking to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And we realize it's not us. It's really Jesus working through us. It's by faith in Jesus' name. It's by faith in receiving Jesus. And just as Peter said, Really, we say, what we have, we freely receive. We have the kingdom of God. Freely, we give. We give to you. So we're going to do that now. And so maybe as you've been listening, maybe some faith has been raised, even hearing those stories, or maybe God's prompted you, maybe a healing for yourself to be able to pray, or maybe something you want to pray for someone else, maybe within your family or your um, bubble, or maybe something that we can share here together. And so I think we have some already, Jody. Great. All right. So what we're going to do, I'm going to pray, and then we'll pray into some of these things that you as a body, which is great. Do you see how the church works together, um, has brought? And then we've already had one word of knowledge given earlier this week through Julia, and so I've actually asked her to pray. So we have that prayer recorded that we're going to um, play, and you can receive, and we'll see what else might happen as we worship um, God. So how about I pray right now, and maybe, Mark, you guys want to come and, and play, and then Jody and I can help um, sort through, and then we'll take some time and we'll pray into some of these things. How's that sound? So I know we're going a bit over. You're at home. You're not going anywhere. You're going to be okay, all right? We won't want to miss out on God um, bringing some healing. So let me pray, and then we'll get some direction from the words that have come through. Thank you for doing that, and... We'll work through these things one at a time, okay? So, Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for every person listening right now, whether live stream right now or YouTube later on this week. And I just thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he's alive today and that he is at work. And I thank you for your church family. I thank you for these stories, able to share, God, throughout the years. We've seen you bring healing. And God, I pray that you would raise our faith now to believe you for your kingdom to come. Lord, we're going to walk through with those who don't get healed, but Lord, we're going to step out, God, and we're going to believe that your kingdom is going to come and increase a bit more today. So I pray, Lord, come in Holy Spirit, lead us now as we sing and as we worship, as we fix our eyes on you, and then we're going to pray into these things. So in Jesus' name.